this podcast please rate comment and subscribe and if you want to get in touch with us you can do so on twitter which is at breakdown underscore old or email us on oldfashioned.breakdown at gmail.com this episode is maiden form written by matthew weiner the man himself in this episode as fola says i always love these these are my favorite parts he always <laughs> writes the most like irrelevant things that happen in this episode Duck continues to try to create a name for himself. See, what? Okay. Uh, Don cheats on his wife, so that happens every episode. Pete cheats on his wife, which is, you know, okay. He hasn't done that for a while. Uh, and Peggy forgets who she is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what did you think of this episode? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was a good episode. I think, I mean... I think it was a little obvious to me. Do you? Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll, 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 I mean, even then the title, come on, let's talk about it. Like, Maiden Form. Cool. All right, let's go. Look, what, what, what is it about? Tell us what it's about. Well, it's all about the perception of other people, isn't it? It's all about, like, I mean, the whole key thing in it is that part where, you know, and we can come back to it if you don't want to start here, but that part where they're in the, they're in the office and they're saying whether the women are Marilyn's yep. or Jackie's yep. and... You know, it's all about, and then there's lots of long looks in this episode, lots of other people looking at other people, and then the people who are being looked at realising that they're not being seen the way that they think they're being seen, uh, or whatever. Interesting, so, interesting. you know, even the dog gets in on the action with a big old <laughs> judgmental look at Duck. He does, doesn't he? Oh. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of, that's pretty much it. I mean, I was saying to Helen before we started um, recording that um, this is by far the hardest episode I've had to look at since we started doing this. Meanwhile, I like watched it and just shut the laptop and was like, right, don't even need to think about that one. Normally I'm like, what the fuck am I going to say? So, Not today. So, so the reason, oh, that's cool. That's good. So you can do most of it because I'm just really confused. Me. So the reason I'm really confused about it is because, you know, as ever I watched the, um, I was watching the, the commentary, trying to get some ideas on what it's about and stuff. And, um, or what the writers were thinking about when they wrote it. And, so what happens normally with that is uh, Matthew Wine will do the commentary and he'll he'll sort of hint at stuff, but he won't sort of he'll talk about the characters and he'll talk about you know um, how they filmed a certain thing and and stuff like that. But he won't go into any details mm-hmm. at all. He'll sort of miss like all the stuff, like all the stuff that I talk about that's kind of really weird. Like he'll never talk about, which kind of suggests maybe it's not there. But I don't think that's the truth. I think what happens is he kind of wants to point you in a direction or maybe not get into the weeds too much but with this one he's like really super specific about stuff yeah because it's really obvious <laughs> that's the thing like i don't think it is so I, okay so the thing he says about the episode is that it's about identity right mm-hmm. and it's about you know um who we are and knowing who we are and all this kind of stuff 
and which is kind of yeah it's obvious you can kind of see that in a lot of the thing but then you sort of dig more into it and identity is such a complex thing that if you start looking at all the things they talk about in this episode there's all these things like master signifiers uh, mirror phase the phallus which you kind of <laughs> which we're gonna get back into at some point yay hooray and, for the phallus and one thing that i specific i want to start this episode i know i know that i can i keep talking about these these three things um but i'm gonna try and explain it like as well as i know it now like really like okay. and this is i i think this is kind of like a good way of explaining it right so I always talk about these three Lacan registers, like the real, the symbolic, and the uh, imaginary, right? Right. And I don't think anybody understands what I'm talking about when I, <laughs> when I talk about them. I know it's kind of, there's a vague understanding of what it is, but I feel like to get, to really get to the weeds of this episode, like you kind of, well, I kind of have to understand it. So I'm going to try and explain it to you now. Right? Okay. And you have to use your imagination really like strongly for this one. Okay. I'm, I'm concentrating. Quite a big thing. Right, I want you to imagine, right? Right. A ball, like a 3D sort of like sphere, right? Okay. And then I want you to take it in your mind. I want you to take a pen or something and like sort of draw the... Um, islands of the of earth on there so like you know okay. all, all the different earth things right mm-hmm. okay so you've got like so now you've got this ball with these kind of like splodges, splodges on, on yeah. right then i want you to take anything that isn't land and i want you to take it and like move it out so almost like an orange you're peeling the skin away from the bits that aren't um land right right and that hold that in another part of your mind right okay so what you're left with is you're left with essentially an earth shape like a, a globe with like where the water is there's water and the, the, where the land is there's land right mm-hmm. so this is the way I, I visualize the the real the imaginary and the uh symbolic the real is the water the symbolic is the land and the imaginary is um the bit the the peel that you took away right and these registers are how we perceive the world so we perceive the world through three different it's almost like you know how color like lights made up of different colors and stuff so like our perception is made up of these three different things so there is like the real part is basically actually let's not do the real let's do the symbolic the symbolic part is meaning and sort of like you know um what things mean to you right mm. the re the um imaginary part is uh what we can see it's like it's what we can see what i can see from you and it's what i can imagine in my head it's like the two things it's basically images but those images don't have any kind of meaning mm-hmm. that makes any sense so the meaning part comes from um, not the meaning the the symbolic part the kind of it's hard to describe it's kind of the thing that almost it's like the batteries or the it's like the, it's like the thing that gives meaning to anything is the symbolic it's what we kind of put into it right so you've got these two things that are like images and symbolic they're kind of like they go together to make meaning right and then you've got the real and the, the, the thing that the meaning does is it kind of covers up um it covers up what the real is 
And the real is basically that nothing matters, <laughs> nothing is important, and like literally anything that you could think of doesn't really matter. It's kind of pointless, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the reason we have this idea of meaning um, when we put together the symbolic and the imaginary is that's what that's the that's what we build up in our minds to make ourselves significant and actually you know so we can go through the day and we can sort of like live our lives without sort of like just sitting in a existential kind of terror just thinking about how nothing means anything like for instance if you've kind of had a bad breakup Mm -hmm. and that feeling of trauma you have where you're kind of nothing seems to make any sense anymore that's kind of the real kind of um, invading your world because that's how we all really feel but we just build all these different meanings all these different using symbols and images around our psyches to make stuff matter does this make sense yes no i I mean i kind of see what you're getting at it's that really i mean yeah i get the whole like nothing really matters like it doesn't really matter if i don't have a job next week (laughs) But it does matter that I might not be able to pay the bills, or might, or in my head it matters that I might not be able to pay the bills or pay in the your rent. Head it matters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't but actually, really. It doesn't really matter, no. um, the only thing it matters to is the fact that you would lose all this stuff that you'd built up. Yeah, and it's too much. It's too much stuff. I sat in my house and I've just been sorting out, and I've got a big box of like My Little Ponies that I've just bought, and like books everywhere. And... <laughs> So basically, a lot of this episode revolves not just around that, but around how, how, what we want and and the things that we kind of focus on revolve around that. But really, this let's talk about let's talk about the the title of the episode, the maiden form. Yeah, isn't that the name of the competition competition bra company or whatever? It is yes, and. There's not really much to say about it other than that, apart from the fact that if you take the, the term maiden form, it's essentially female form. Well, yeah, I mean, that's to me a lot what this episode was about because it's about that whole like maiden form and come out with that new kind of advert that was going on about the fit, wasn't it? It being like the best fitting underwear. Was it that? Was that what it no, was? No, that was, I think I'm sure it's play, Playtex. Oh, I don't know. Maiden form was, <laughs> maiden form was the one where they, there was that woman, as you were saying, I dreamt I was fight she said she dreamt she was something i, can't oh, I don't know i mean i thought one of them was clearly more focused about the way that the woman felt and the yes. other one was more focused on what a woman would look like to a man right ah exactly yes yeah. completely so it's like so made in form as a as a concept which it's explored a lot in this episode you know i mean you see i mean the biggest example for me was how they're all in that office, like sort of lusting after all these women, and like, are you a Jackie or a uh, Marilyn or whatever? Uh, Jackie, yeah. And this is what men want, and this is what men want from a woman, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then Betty gets her like sexy little bikini on, and Don goes mental. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like it's that thing. It's it's like saying this is what we think we want as men, but actually. It's not. It's not actually what you want. It's not because it's it's not how you want to see certain people. It's like it's like that again. I mean, we can, I'm glossing over it now. We can come back to it because I know you want to. Mm. But it's that whole relationship between Bobby and and Don, and it's like he's sort of tr- he's he sees what that relationship actually is by yeah. the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his head, that's not how he thought of that 
relationship. Exactly. And when he's looking, and then it's like, like I say, there's the bit at the end where his daughter looks at him and the way that, and he sort of starts to question how, because he got it so wrong with how Bobby saw him. It's like questioning how does she actually see me or how does this person actually see me? And, and, you know, on, on the, on the Betty end, it's, and, and, you know, Peggy has her own story that is a similar effect. Um, but you know, on Betty's end, it is very much like she, she buys that and wears that and thinks she, that it'll make her, it'll make Don Don want her and he'll find it attractive and think it's nice. But all he sees is how, is what other people are going to see. see yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of like, and that's to me what this episode is all about quite simply. And even with, even with duck, it's that whole thing of, you know, he wants to come across a certain way, even to his children, even to his dog, you know, and it's that, you know, when you see it, it's Man. very, very different. So many things I want to talk about there. Okay. Um, let's well, you, you start then. Where, where should we start? Well, I think we should start, because as soon as you mentioned it first, we should talk, start with the the whole chat that they have in the office, the big meeting they have about who's a Jackie and who's a Joan. Um, who's a Jackie? And... Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> if you, basically, if you're a woman, for a law, get your name wrong. It doesn't really matter no, what's I, real and what's imaginary. I was more thinking about the fact that I literally replaced Marilyn Monroe with Joan, which is exactly what Paul does. Joan is hot. <laughs> yeah, she is. And yeah, let's, so let's get into that. So that's that's because that's, that's such a cool scene. Um, obviously, yeah, there's all that stuff about that you talked about. But what's really interesting to me is like that whole... Um, scene starts with Don saying, uh, "Where are we?" Right as mm. they all walk into the into the into the office, mm. and to me, you know, I was talking, you know, I was talking about um, signifiers, right? Do you so like the the idea is with a signifier, you have like a, a signifying chain is just a bunch of things that remind you of another thing. So mm-hmm. like, it's like. Um, like words that rhyme or words that mean each other. They can, can I just guess? Are you going to say this episode's like Indian summer? <laughs> <laughs> so that's your favourite thing. I can't remember if there is a reference to Indian summer. Yeah. I don't remember. But Probably anyway, it's there, in all of them. There are other references. But anyway, no. Um, so like, um, so you've got these signifying chains and they're basically just words that kind of, they can be just words that kind of remind you of each other. But really, and the master signifier is kind of like the, Let's say we're talking about meaning. Um, the master signifier would be of I don't know. Uh, um, something means something. So like um, cold means fr- like freezing means cold. So like let's just say the the word cold came up first. That was like the, mm. the first. I don't know if it was, but let's let's just say that the word cold was invented before the word freezing. Right? Mm. The word cold would be the master signifier, right? Mm. So. Back to the scene. So the when they come in, they say, "Where are we?" And they're in Don's room. So like, I to me that means well, that the show is telling us that this is that Don is the master signifier, right? Right. Which is really weird because later on in the scene, what um, Paul actually does is he identifies Joan. <laughs> Joan again. He identifies Marilyn Marilyn Monroe and. Um, Jackie, uh, Jackie uh, Kennedy as master signifiers in themselves. He says, "You're either a, a Joe. You're either you're either. I just say Joan from now on. You're either a Joan or you're uh, a Jackie." And he's basically saying, "You're even a Marilyn." <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're, he, he's saying, "You're either Ma- a Marilyn or a, or a Jackie." And he's basically um, building those two um, characters up as, or those two people up as um, uh, master signifiers. Mm. 
But like I said, because he's pitching it to Don, Don is actually the master signifier in the in the in the scene. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> At least you're being honest. No, fair enough. So basically, what because what what he's saying is that what, it's basically what you said is it's basically what you said. What he's saying is that um, those two women, those two women that, that that he talked about, they're the main. They're the, they're what other women aspire to. Right, he's kind of picked those women out as as what women aspire mm. to, but really, he's only picked them out because he's trying to pitch to to, to Don what women aspire to. Women don't aspire to those things at all. They're not they're not master signifiers. And what ends up happening is women, because obviously Don and his whole team and people like him are sort of creating the rules at the time. It makes all these women, even though they don't realize it, a kind of shaping their entire lives around these men but then when couldn't you argue if that's the case couldn't you then argue that actually playtex is the signifier and not don because don's only doing what he's doing because playtex uh, want to talk to him i guess you could but then at the same time playtex aren't really making a specific and, and no they're asking them to do that they are them. asking them to do but it. isn't in that act isn't that them going well no not really because they're not making choices on what they how women are going to perceive like Don's coming up this this whole thing is being sold to Don to sell to them mm. which they will then send to sell to women mm. so it's, so Don's kind of like coming up with this idea of how to model these um, these bras to these women so it's like literally he has all the power in terms of yeah. how people are going to perceive it and that's kind of what the episode's about where it's like how it's more it's less about um how other people see each other because I think that was in the last episode and this was more about how women kind of structure that not consciously but because of the patriarchy the, the way um, women live their lives is in relation to how they they're perceived by men like for instance yes no way, absolutely I agree the way um, the way um, that um, the, the secretary introduces uh duck's wife she doesn't say her yeah, name yeah. well she she's, doesn't know she, well, it's because she doesn't know how, how to what to call her that's the whole point she does, yeah exactly she doesn't know who she is she, well no she does well, she, she knows, just doesn't is. want to say ex-wife because she doesn't that's the thing is this is what i'm talking about is it that's why it's about perception to me because that whole exchange is awkward because she doesn't know like if it, if it was just his wife she would have been like oh your wife's here that's what i mean your wife yeah Not, she doesn't say her name she says your wife. She refers to her as his wife. She might not know her name. She might not, but that's that's neither that's neither that letter. But like, I don't know my boss's wife's name. <laughs> what, Actually, I do. But what, what I mean, but maybe she doesn't. I don't know. But to me, what what it stuck stuck out to me was that she called her. She didn't really know how to do, to describe her at all. But she the one thing that she did know is wife in relation to Doc. That's kind of the way I was kind of approaching. Yeah, but she's not his wife. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, she, she, she's yeah, his totally. ex-wife. But that's what, and that's what makes it awkward. But to me, the 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 main point is the fact that she uses the term wife. I see. It's not for me. Okay. Okay. It's not. It's that whole thing of like, because she's not his wife, she does. This woman doesn't know what to call her. That's the that's the point for me. Is it's like because she's not a wife, mm. what is she? 
because she's not a Marilyn and she's not a Jackie. Okay. And she's okay. not and and there's like if you look at all the women in this episode, they all have a specific role, like kind of thing, like yeah. obviously or like a place that they're trying to get to. But this is a this particular woman because she's divorced is in no man's land. It's really so it's, it is really very it's a very like this this woman doesn't know what to say because she doesn't know at that time what the proper thing to say would be because divorced is like a is a shameful thing. Yeah, um, that's really interesting you say that because um, I wasn't even going to bring this up because one of the things about Lacan, um, one of his theories, and, and again this is this goes straight into everything that you're saying. Kind of, I, I totally agree with. Um, one of the things he sort of talks about and I don't really want to talk about because I don't understand it fully and it makes and it sounds really weird but he one of his things is um, this idea that symbolically I think it's symbolically um, <laughs> uh, he says that <laughs> he says that women don't exist <laughs> he gets so strangely enough he gets a lot of uh it's quite a controversial it's quite a controversial uh, statement. yeah it is a lot of it. <laughs> just a tad i think i think and i this is why i don't want to talk about because i really understand what he's saying but like i think it's it boils down to this idea of the phallus and how that works but we'll talk about that later well it's that you know it's that i think it's that argue it's that symbolism that still exists in what men and women are right and those long-standing traditional roles yeah but i mean in that sense it's more men and women don't exist rather than just women don't exist well that's probably yeah, a better way of putting it but yeah so he the way the way he talks about it is specifically women don't exist but i i, I don't know i'll i'll read about it a bit more and sort okay of like you explain can bring it that up another time um <laughs> but i think it's really kind of because there, there is a bit where um he uh what the bit where um, uh, Betty is in her bikini and stuff, and and Don's having a go at her, right? Mm. And he's saying, "This is how people that sort of um, are going to look at you and all this kind of stuff." And at the end, she says something strange. She says something like, um, "I didn't know," or something like that. <clears throat> and another weird thing that Lacan says is that um, women aren't aware of their enjoyment or what it is. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> I'm a really bad person to explain this because I'm, sure I'm sure there's a reason for why he says all this stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's just kind of like that idea that... Again, it, it boils down to this idea that um, she's there and she doesn't know who's going to be attracted to the way she's dressing right i'm just thinking this of this on the fly so you can shoot me down if i'm wrong but um like you say she's kind of uh, don says all these people are gonna be staring at her but he, don's not interested at all it would seem he's all he's thinking about is all these other people that are gonna look at her well yeah but, but who would who hasn't been but it is related to him because he doesn't like it because he doesn't like that he's suddenly looking at his wife and you see it a little bit earlier in that scene when arthur rocks up where you see he suddenly oh, yeah. he doesn't like that because he sees her as sort of his property yeah um and i think it's very much where she she's almost like i mean i don't want to say innocent because 
you know what she's been what she did with like creepy glenn and like all she's those other innocent. men that she's sort of like <laughs> tempted but she's not you know, innocent at all she's not in, innocent but it's that same thing where i think there was a part of her that she she did know um but i think she didn't she she in her head how it went was i'm gonna wear because i mean i'm sorry but she looks fucking cracking you know? um <laughs> She knew that men were going to be looking at her. Yeah. She knew that. But she didn't know but, which men. But no, no, but not. it's not that. But she didn't think that people would look at her and think that she was cheap. That's oh, the difference. Okay. Oh, is, okay. Is, it's that perception thing where you think something is a really good idea at the time. Right. And you do it because you think, oh, everyone's going to look. Like, I mean, I'm a bit of an outlandish dresser. dresser <laughs> and occasionally I wear things that are... So I wore this like ridiculous hat to my brother's wedding. <laughs> and I thought everyone's going to be like, yeah, it's the picture on the wall up there. It looks great. Well, the thing, yeah, but the thing is, I sort of got there and a lot of people were like, oh, you know, oh, are you trying to like steal attention away from the bride or whatever? And like, okay. I've not thought of it like that at all. Ah, I just thought, oh, I'm not going to wear a funky hat and people are going to be like, well, that's a cool hat and come and talk to me. Yeah. But actually some people were like, oh, she's wearing something really out there and she's detracting attention from the bride. And yeah. I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah. Because I've just gone, oh, I want to wear a great hat. There's also the thing that um, Peggy does a similar thing, right? She when she turns up at the um, when she turns up at the the strip bar, mm. and she's all happy. And as soon as a Pete looks at her with sort of like shame in his eyes, sort of, um, she kind of gets a bit. Um, she covers herself up a bit, and she's like really self conscious. Yeah, I think that that one is a bit of a. That I think her storyline in this episode is is slightly more complicated, right? Because I think I think she's almost like whereas the rest of the women in it are sure that they are women, yeah, and okay. they want to sort of fulfill that role in some way. Yeah, I think Peggy is going through as she wants she's she wants to be a man, you yeah, know, and uh, will be treated like a man, um, and doesn't and she doesn't use her her femininity or her, her womanly charms or whatever they'd call it back in the like what joan would tell her she, she kind of she almost like avows it doesn't she or yeah it's like, like she hides it because she wants to seem less feminine so she fits in more with the men so then when she brings out her femininity in that in that last scene where she does dress in a in a bit of a foxy way mm. you know comes in and then you know the playtex man is immediately like pulls her onto his lap and i think there's a realization that and i with that look from p like i wasn't even really sure what that was because you just said you thought she felt shame yeah but i think for me i mean maybe i'm reading it totally wrong i don't know but i thought he was looking at her in quite like a lusty way did you yeah i did i mean i might be completely wrong and i thought when he when she saw him looking at her like that I think that's when she realised that she's never going to be well, one of the men. Actually, maybe you're right. Maybe... I didn't think he was lusty, but here's the thing. There is... Okay, so there's one thing where... I keep dropping this term phallus into... Phallus! Into the whole thing, right? And um, there's this idea of the symbolic phallus. We kind of talked about it before, but it's this... You know, this idea that... Um, uh, there's this kind of veiled thing that everybody wants. And that's kind of what we're all... As human beings, what we all want, we want this thing that we can't actually grab and it's what keeps us going and keeps us alive and keeps us, you know, living basically until we die. And um, that's basically another thing. That's what all these, you see, again, it goes back to that, the, the, the theme of, the, of maiden form and how men see women and how we're always kind of 
attracted to this thing that we're not sure if, that we can have. And obviously, I don't know if you caught the the theme of Pete trying to chat up Peggy through the whole episode mm. and trying to get with her. And then obviously she sat right in front of him. And they're in a strip bar as well, so this is kind of like, this is basically, it's all raining down on them basically, the fact that they're all in this place where there's all these women that they can't touch, but they can kind of live out their fantasies within. Mm. And right in front of Pete is that one, the, the main fallacy he wants, the one bit of kind of um, fantasy that he can't touch and it's like um, uh, Peggy right in front of him. And just that idea that, um, you know, he's just, he can't, it's the one thing that he wants and he can't have. I think that's kind of, I think that basically nails the whole episode. And also, speaking of Pete, um, just to kind of like put a, a, a real sort of um, stamp on it, when he's in the lift with that woman, yeah, you know, the blonde woman, um, she says something that I think is basically the theme of the episode and how men see women. Hmm. She says, they fall in love with a picture of you the image. Mm. Uh, then you come in and they're disappointed, but it doesn't make any sense because all they needed was a picture. Yeah. So like the idea of, you know, we have these, we look at men, look at women and they kind of like, you know, sexualize them as this kind of, you know, they, they have a type or whatever and they sort of, they, they stick to that type. But really the physical attributes don't really matter. A woman is a woman is a woman is a woman, right? And I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, I'm a man. I kind of have, like, I, you know, I kind of find women attractive and stuff. So it's kind of... I guess you it's do? A bit, it's a bit kind of like, um, you know, cheap of me saying it. But, like, the fact that the men kind of have... In, in a way that women don't, I think where women I, I think women it's like we talked about last week where women can kind of find men attractive but it doesn't really change the way they feel about them as much as it seems to with men i think appearance is definitely more uh, the appearance of a, par- a partner or a potential partner or a hookup or whatever you want to call it yeah. call it is considered much more valuable for a man when he's searching for a partner yeah is her value in terms of her appearance is yeah. very important whereas i think and you know i'm generalizing here and it's not i'm with me specifically <laughs> I think the whole show is generalizing well you know <laughs> but i think with me specifically it's not that important like i mean i'm quite lucky in that i can find pretty much anyone attractive if they're <laughs> kind and have a nice have a nice soul because that's just the kind of person i am oh. Um, I know <laughs> it means that I've uh, brought home some very questionable men in my life. Um, but you know, that's I think... what I mean, though. I think I think that's the point. That's what I'm getting at. Is like, I think it's again we're generalizing. So <laughs> you know, I think it seems like women seem to. I don't know. Maybe because women do value those things, value the like for instance, the idea of Pete being attractive, right? People would say that's like, that makes no sense, right? But I think the honesty of Pete is what people are attracted to. It's not necessarily. No, I don't think it, in that situation, in that lift, okay. it's not that. Well, not in, no, obviously not that. No, it's, not that his, time. it's his power. It's that, his power, yeah, in totally. That scenario. But I'm talking about people watching the show. I'm talking about how when people watch the show, they kind of like, Pete's horrible, I hate his guts. Oh, actually, yeah, I like him quite a lot now. And then, you know, it kind of 
because he's such an honest person you can see everything he's feeling and when he's actually nice it seems that he's being genuinely nice yeah i don't know i mean i never like that conversation that he had with i am you know and i am like pete's been a grower on me like he has grown (laughs) on me like a rash um because i really detested him for quite a long time um but i think he's grown on me but i didn't especially love his behavior in this episode no 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 because i think he, he he's kind of reverted back to being a dickhead a bit and I think with him, I think the problem with him is, yes, he's honest in a lot of ways, but then there are times when he's not honest. Yeah. And when he's not honest, like that well, conversation on, wait, wait, with wait. Peggy that he has when there's, she's like sitting there and he's trying to make small talk yeah. with her. Like, you're like, what is, you're kind of like, what what's he doing? Well, here's the thing, right? So in that scene, that specific scene, what I found was nobody's really saying anything that they actually mean. It's all this kind of, you know what I was saying about Everything that gets done in that scene is basic is based on what you know about those characters. So the idea that you've got this um you've got the imaginary sort of understanding of what they've been through and who they are and, and what they look like when they're talking to each other, but crossed with the fact that you know all the stuff that he's saying to her, he's trying to get to know her and stuff, even though they've had, you know, I just, that's not what I got. Okay. See, I got that, that whole exchange for me, again, was about perception. And it was that perception that he is still treating her a little bit like a receptionist or a, what, what, a secretary. Oh. He's making the small talk with her. She doesn't have time for that now. She's a copywriter, right? <laughs> okay. She needs to be taken seriously. Okay. And she's trying to get that across to him and he's making small talk with her like he's a, he's a, he's a, she's a secretary he can just flirt with and just chat to, right? Right, right. And meanwhile, she... Is basically, I mean, she says the line something like, "You do your job and I'll do mine." Oh, yeah, yeah, she basically, yeah. it's 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 really about the fact that um, oh, because he comes in and he said, "Oh, my father-in-law is really and unha- really happy with like thanks, clear or whatever." Yeah. And she obviously was like, "Well, you know, as long as he's happy, he's the only reason that you're there." Or yeah. like he, and that's why he's like, "What do you mean by that?" Well, he's, yeah, certainly. So she's kind of she's implying that he's a. Uh... She's implying that he's just in a posi- in that position because of who he is. Yeah. And he's almost implying that she shouldn't be in the position she is because of the gender she is. Oh, right. Okay. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So uh, it's almost like that's what they're having. That whole conversation oh. is just really sort of like looking at, like they're both, it's how they're perceiving each other almost. Um, but, but really how they want to project what, who they are onto each other. That's you know really, what I mean? yeah, yeah, that's really cool. That's, I, I like that a lot. That's, um, that's not what I got, but I, yeah, that totally makes sense. What I got was, and to be fair, this is because I cheated and I listened to um, oh. Matthew Wider. But like, I, no, but I'm not saying that, I'm totally not saying that you're wrong. I, I think for part of, I, th- I do think part of this is him, he is trying to get with her. I mean, if you sort of like see, like the 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 earlier scenes between them two, there is a kind of Pete kind of longingly sort of looking at her or seeing her as kind of like something else, like mm. something kind of something to reach out for. Mm. Um, I think there's something about the way he talks to um, the way in the barbecue he's talking to them about how he he's hiding who he is and how he's not really happy in his relationship mm. it comes across to me um and then obviously when when they're having the 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 earlier meeting him peggy and sal there's like almost kind of like as as 
as Peggy's talking about these two teenagers that are in love, it, to me, it's almost like he's talk, she's talking... Well, to me, as Pete's staring at her, it's like he's kind of imagining him and her together and, you know, it's like them two vibing and coming mm. up with ideas and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I was seeing when I saw that, that um, the, 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 the meeting, the, the two of them, when the, the two of them have a chat. Um, but one of the, the great things about that scene that they have is when um, Pete mentions Liberty Vance. You know the movie? So he talks about this movie Liberty Vance, which I'd never heard of. And so this film that um, that uh, Pete mentions, Who Shot Liberty Vance, um, it's a really, I was reading about it, it's, it sounds like a fascinating film. It's like made in 1960, whenever, um, <laughs> around the time of the show. I can't remember when it, was, when it came out, but um, it is, hang on, let me find out when it came out. Yeah, so it, did, it came out the, the year of the film, so it was um, 1962. And it basically stars John Wayne and James Stewart right okay so that was interesting to me first of all because that's kind of that's almost like the jackie um marilyn comparison where but with guys but with guys yeah um but then there's also the the whole thing is basically one of the themes in this episode as well is like lies i don't know if you've got that like those people lying to each other and sort of the truth coming out sort of thing almost like when you think about the phallus and you see but, but i would argue that point because i would say again that comes down to perception like just on while you're talking about that dinner party like it's debatable whether what what pete says about you know they'd feel my absence whether that's a lie or whether that's how he actually perceives himself yeah yeah totally totally um yeah, but it's still a lie. <laughs> it's still but, a lie. But, but you don't. But in his head, is it a lie? That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I guess. Well, I was. I guess I was talking more about the lies that you know, the the, the or the more the expectation, the anticipation, <laughs> the idea that um, something's going to be good for you, something's going to yeah, give yeah. you what you want. So, okay. Um, and so in this in this film, uh, let me see if I can find the explanation of it. So this movie tell the movie itself tells the story of two men. One an upstanding pillar of the community running for office and the other a straight up tough guy who tells it how it is and is happy to use force when required. You can work out which character is played by which. (laughs) The long long story short, um, Stuart's character gets into a gunfight with a local bully and kills him. And Stuart's character wants to resign from office uh, because he killed a man. Uh, And then John John Wayne's character explains that it was actually him who killed the bully. Um, so what ends up happening is because he killed, because it's perceived mm. that he killed this bully, um, Stuart, um, John Stewart's character gets, uh, um, gets hired to be the, the mayor of the city or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but he gets the, he basically gets, gets the job he wants. Um, he gets put in office because of this thing and he wants, and the, right, <clears throat> the film ends where he wants to go back to the town and confess. And he tells the press what what actually happened, and the press guy says to him that they don't want to they don't want to tell the truth, because this is the West, and when a legend becomes fact, then print the legend. Just, and it's really yeah. what's really cool about that is it just reminds me of the Dark Knight. Oh my god! <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So like, I think there's a lot of that as well. This kind of characters, yeah, per- perceiving things but living on that perception. Like that's the kind of so that's that's reality, isn't it? It's like your reality or the way we've 
the way we set things up is like yes um the way women see themselves is through the eyes of men which is a bit backwards and a bit it's through up. it's through the eyes of men i think it's through but it's i mean it still happens today even with like you know magazines or yeah exactly. i mean there's a big fight on at the moment for you know representation but the you know the pro one of the problems with representation is that you can never represent absolutely everybody no, exactly. we should find out the in the last episode <laughs> well do you know it's one of those it's one of those things where you know it, it's it was obviously a hundred billion times worse back then. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think you do think, oh, I should be thin or I should be this or yeah. I can't have grey hair or, you know, whatever it is. Um, because that's the way that, that's everything that we've been fed yeah, has totally. made us believe that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and it all comes from people like Don. Um, but where the... does Don get it from? This is the thing. Ah, is it's like, and, and there we go. And that's, and and the thing is, it's even you see what I like about this episode is that you even see his own perception being smashed yeah. at the very end of the episode, yeah, totally. and which is what I really like because it's not just oh he's deciding this and he's deciding that. Well, actually, he's equally as affected by these things as everybody else is. He just doesn't know it because he's unaware of how he's been perceived or what his reputation is. He's like this character from this film, isn't he? Yeah, yeah totally. Where he's like he believes one thing. But then there's actually this rep reputation and he's sort of like looking in the mirror thinking, I don't want to be that yeah, person. Yeah, totally, totally. But that's who he is. <laughs> um, I want to, we never really talked about the introduction to the... I mean, it's kind of what we've been talking about, I guess, for the whole episode. But like the introduction to the whole episode is this song, uh, this Decemberist Infanta. Yeah. And it's basically about... No, an infanta is uh, it's like I think it's like a Russian princess, and it's a, it's about this uh, the song I think is about um, like how um, this girl this pressure this this Russian princess with all these kind of servants and all these kind of amazing things around her, despite all this amazing wonderful stuff she has around her, she's kind of she's imprisoned in in all of this it's mm. kind of she's not kind of she's not free to it's almost kind of given to her in order to make her look nice for other people and all the way through and, and that, i think that's what we see when we see those girls getting dressed as well as well as the whole um phallus thing where you know they they're obviously beautiful women that they're kind of um that people will be attracted to and they're kind of um wearing these bras which kind of cover up their breasts I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I don't either. Just keep talking. Keep going. Keep going. Well, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say, that the, like obviously breasts are kind of like um, desirable to men and, <laughs> and to men. I love a bit of boob. The, 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 the symbolic kind of, they are essentially the symbolic phallus, right? There's kind of like this idea of boobs that, that we talked about earlier as well. This idea of boobs where you can kind of... Um, uh, they are attractive to men, but when you actually get your hands on them, there's not much you can do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but that's, that's what I'm trying to say is like, there's, they, they, they kind of, they, they wear, they're putting on these clothes and on one hand, it's to kind of uh, present themselves in a, in a, in a positive way. But in another, in another way, it's kind of, these are, the way they looked at by men is as these kind of objects, right? And it's kind of that's what the song I think is trying to convey. Okay. 
<laughs> I just kind of rambled on, making no sense whatsoever. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I think it's. I I, I just didn't. I, I remember thinking, oh, this is a bit jazzy, but I didn't really think much of the. I, I didn't really think about the actual song that much. It's yeah. just a montage of women getting their pantyhose on, wasn't but it? I think the reason the song kind of stands out, and I think the reason it's it draws attention to itself is because it's such a modern song. So you're kind of... Yes, yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's such a modern song. It's basically saying, like, pay attention to it. I mean, to me, that was already a sign, that montage, because to me, what that was saying was, is, like, everyone gets ready, gets up in the morning and gets dressed just the same as everybody else. Oh, okay. It was that whole fine ah. kind of... I mean, it was interesting that they only really focused on women for that. Exactly. But it was sort of like, you know, very much came across as... It's the morning, everyone's getting ready, everyone's going to work. Yeah, totally. That's that's the first thing you think of. But then you then when you think back to the episode, there's so many images of women half naked. Yeah. There's so, like there's that part where they're getting dressed, there's the girls in the bikinis being paraded up and down, which it, I've got a real big theory about, but I don't want to go into it. Um, then there's the whole obviously the Jackie Marilyn thing, and then there's Peggy and her thing. And I guess, um, no, not Peggy, sorry, Betty in her thing. Um, and I guess Peggy kind of could fall into that, but she doesn't, like you say, she's not really dressed to kind of entice men. She's she's really dressed to, to, to join in, basically. It's interesting that she's wearing blue as well. I mean, I think for me, the most interesting, I mean, it's it sort of makes sense, but it's... Um, that whenever Don and Bobby are together, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but isn't he usually the one who he's almost becomes a woman because he's like always topless oh, yeah. or whatever? Oh, yeah. oh, she's yeah. usually got something on. That's a very good point. And it's almost like that at that point. That's where the roles are reversed, and he's sort of the candy, and she's the totally, totally. And it's kind of like that's when she he realizes that he's just a. Yeah, and then he gets a bit pissed off. Now, yeah, a little bit. Well, it's it's kind of I think it's um, it's almost uh, foreshadowed really early on in the episode where you know when he's at the um when they're at the golf club mm. and he really kind of there's loads of stuff in that golf club by the way where okay so one of the things I want to talk about I'll get back to my point in a second one of the things I want to talk about is in that golf club there's a lot of talk about the Cuban yeah. and the American relations. Mm. I was trying to work out what that's about. I and did. I can't, I got to be honest. I wasn't into <laughs> the episode enough to really get into the depth of that. <laughs> but like, okay, so the reason it, the reason it stands out to me is because it's all the way through that that scene. Like, all, it's a really long scene, and it starts off with that guy Crab talking about how he escaped to. Um, he left the company that he was in and he, he escaped to um, to Hollywood, mm. essentially. Um, and he's talking about that. And and th- then they start talking about this this war. And, and then later on, that man who's sort of reading out all the girls, like talking about oh, yeah. all the girls, he tells everyone to stand up and clap for all the, the war heroes. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. And he tells one of the Rough Riders to stand up. Mm. And I didn't realise the Rough Riders like years before any of this um cuban stuff came mm. up like that war the war between cuba and america was still going on and essentially what's happened between cuba and america is they've split up they're yeah. like they're two they've they've they they were in a relationship 
and now they split up. And if you see a lot of the characters in this that talk to each other, there's a lot of characters that have split up. And I think part of this episode is this idea of this. <laughs> there's a Lacan term called the barred subject. Right. And it's about uh, how, as human beings, we're like, we're almost like two, you know, we're all two different people. We're, we have two different ways of looking at ourselves in a way. And um, one's the ego and one's the, the way the world sees us. Mm-hmm. And I, t- I said this, this episode was confusing. And yeah, so that's, that sort of feeds back into all that stuff where all the way through the episode, we're seeing all these especially these male characters who see themselves a certain way but the world sees them a certain way and same with the women the women see themselves a certain way and uh and the world sees them a certain way and it's i guess when pate when betty's in her bikini that's kind of the best way of exemplifying that what, what else do we need to talk about we haven't talked about we haven't talked about duck we haven't ah that's a good point we haven't talked about duck at all have we what's my favorite what's your favorite scene with duck in this i mean do we want to go through the whole thing or do we want to... No, I mean, I, the thing is, I feel like with Duck, like, I don't care about his character, like, at all. Like, I just find him really, like... He's really dull, isn't he? Yeah. I, I agree. I think he's a bit dull. And yeah, I just sort of don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> like I kind of, like... So, the, there was that bit where he and Duck... I got the gist of it, which was the something to do with... Um, this whole American Airlines thing came up again and I was like, oh, for God's sake, it's like Coronation Street. I don't know, bloody... They keep bringing up the same storyline. But yeah, anyway, I, I didn't quite get what the issue was, um, but I understand that he wanted... That Roger wanted Don and Duck to become friends again or something <laughs> because of this fallout over American Airlines. Let's... I just want to stop you there. Let's talk about that entire scene because that's oh. my favourite... No, Are you my, joking? That's my favourite scene in the whole oh episode. Oh my God. So let's talk about it because... Oh, because I don't... People, I didn't pay attention. It's fine. So it's boring. I, it's fine. No, you'll love it. You'll love it. You'll love okay. it. Listen. listen. <laughs> so like that scene starts. We're talking about the scene with... with um, uh, Don and Roger. Right? Oh, okay. Roger's fine. Yeah, <laughs> just not the one with. I literally don't remember the scene with Duck and Don. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll do that. Well, we are going to do that, but we'll okay. do that later. Um, so the the scene with Roger and uh, Don starts off with um, what's her name? Jessica. Jane. Je- Jane. That's right. <laughs> Yay! You got a name starts right. Off, it starts off with Jane coming in. So, and it actually starts off with Don reading the um, the letter from Playtex, right? Okay. And the letter has, like, in big, bold letters, Playtex at the top. Okay. Which, to me, was, like, a massive sort of... Didn't signif- even notice. This is, like, a massive signi- signifier reference. Anyway, uh, she comes in, and she's, like, bright red yeah. from head to toe. Mm. And um, that was a reference to me. That was a reference to uh, a red in the face. Oh my god! You knew he was going to get one in. Like you could play such a good drinking game with this podcast, but wherever Fola mentions a previous episode, you get to take a shot. If he if he mentions Indian Summer, you get to do three shots. So, um, but like, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's kind of interesting that Red in the Face is about Don and Roger kind of sparring with each other, and obviously Roger trying to get with something that you know inverted commas belongs to Roger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's it Roger trying to get with something that belongs to Don in yeah. inverted commas um, and then the first thing um, Roger says is um, <laughs> does your wife know about that 
And I just want to leave it there. Just kind of like, you know, we can maybe see how that plays out in the future. Um, and one of the things that um, Jane says uh, is she says, she, she says it's hard to sit down. Mm. And there's something about, There's something, uh, yeah. She, she says, it has, and and Don says, Don Don asks her, "Have you been out of the weekend or something?" And it's kind of there's something about her saying it's hard to sit down, like it's hard to kind of stay in one place, or it's hard to, like she's kind of out and she's wearing blue. She's out there. She's kind of like being um, a person in the world. She's like, she 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 comes across as someone who's kind of experienced in life, right? And Don's kind of like sitting down and kind of in his brown suit and very much kind of like hidden from the world. And um, the listeners won't know this, but me and um, Helen were talking about enjoyment versus pleasure. And I feel like that Jane is kind of, she put herself out there. She's like, enjoyment, uh, to explain enjoyment, enjoyment is kind of like a Lacan phrase where he explains that enjoyment is like pleasure but it's like pleasure and play and pain mixed together and it's the it's, you get enjoyment from the two things together at the same time so like enjoyment is something long term like working hard on a project or sort of like going to the gym and sort of like you know pushing yourself really hard or watching a horror film or going on a scary ride you know we enjoy these things because they put us through our paces they're not they're not just pure pleasure mm. and pure pleasure kind of stops that from happening and the thing with jane is obviously she's burned but she had a good day at the at the at the seaside or whatever wherever she was and she and i like the idea that she can't sit down the idea that she can't sit down is kind of it's like a restless thing it's like she, because she's putting herself through this you know, if you think about someone who's kind of on the edge and is kind of like working hard and they, they're doing it because they're kind of restless and they can't sit down. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Don is kind of trying to get himself to a place where Don wants to be comfortable all the time. That's kind of where his unhappiness comes from. Because as human beings, like it's like what you said before, it's like as human beings, we're not supposed to be comfortable. We're supposed to be living life and we're supposed to be doing things all the time. We're supposed to be engaged. And the only way you can be engaged is if, you know, you have a bit of, panic in your life and you have a bit yeah i mean don's bored like I, I would say a yeah. lot of the time that's why he does a lot of the shit that he does totally totally he wouldn't have time to be cheating on his wife if he was worried about things happening and going wrong for him um but anyway where were we <laughs> oh, that's it duck duck and don well we're talking about roger and he... oh yeah sorry the roger thing yeah so um so yeah roger comes into the office so yeah, we talked about. So we've already talked about the fact that um, a lot of this is about um, Roger, uh, sort of, you know, the the whole Roger and 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 Don kind of sparring with each other thing, right? Um, but then, so ah, so that's it. Yeah. So th there's a thing that that Roger that that Roger says to Don, which is fascinating. Um, he says he basically talks about like a. A food cart. Do you remember that? No. Okay. <laughs> he basically starts talking about signifiers. You know, I was talking about earlier about mm. how, and he kind of, he 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 mentions that um, he mentions that Don and Duck should have a meeting. 
they should have like that's it. They should have a meeting on a on a a train car. Yes. And if you look up the term train car, uh, in Wikipedia, there's like thirteen different um explanations, like thirteen different ways of saying train car. You could have um, train cart. You can have train um, carriage. Carriage, yeah, all of those things. There's loads and loads of, them. and they all mean the same thing. And that's basically what I'm. I think that kind of exemplifies what I mean by signifiers. And he keeps talking about stuff like that all the way through the rest of that episode, uh, all the way through the rest of that scene. And he talks about how uh, Errol Flynn. Um, he talks about Errol Flynn is gone, and like, and so is my taste. So is my taste for swordplay. And like Errol Flynn is obviously kind of like as soon as you think of Errol Flynn, you think of like um, what is it, um, Robin Hood, and they're just like synonymous with each other. But also, what do you think about Errol Flynn? Errol Flynn is kind of like this heroic figure, right? I don't know. Who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Don't know who that is. Errol Flynn is this. Um, he played. Uh, he's he's well known for playing um, Robin Hood. Um, what the fox one not the fox one the one with the guy before the fox (laughs) didn't see that (laughs) saw the fox one (laughs) anyway he's like he's always been seen as like Errol Flynn as a guy was like one of the first like you know heroic people Uh, but when you think when you find out when you read up on Errol Flynn as a person he was an absolute dick horrible horrible person you sleep with like underage girls like lied to people at one point like even faked his own death just to just to publicize a movie and he was a lying cheating bastard basically uh and yeah it's just really interesting that that comes under this idea of these signifiers and these labels that we put on people Hmm. uh, which can again can be lies can be the truth um but yeah let's talk about duck sorry (laughs) so i I went way off piece there Let's, let's let's just Shall we finish the whole episode on just to talk about Duck and his storyline? Because sure. I, I think it's very interesting. Okay. So the first time we see Duck in this, um, the first thing he says, he, I think one of the first things he says in that very first scene is um, uh, he, he talks about, I had a dream about being a lady or something like that, right? Do you remember that? No. He says, I can't remember the exact words that he says, but he basically says he's trying to kind of come up with a different way of doing the maiden form. Right. The maiden form ad. And he says, yeah, just wrinkle it a little. I went to sleep in my bra and thought I was so-and-so. Okay. And I think, and this is just looking at the way Lacan looks at things and how this episode is structured. I think, um, I think duck in this episode has you know we were talking ages ago about female and male subjects Mm. and how they think and how you know in terms of the phallus uh um, the male way of thinking or the masculine way of thinking i think is what we were talking about is how the masculine ways is wants to have their own phallus or kind of wants to 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 emulate the man Right. <laughs> I feel like I'm really confused here. <laughs> There's a little man in my head just going <laughs> And then the female, the way the the, the way the female works is, uh, or the or the feminine thing is, is to be the phallus or to be kind of the thing that is valuable. Right. Do you remember what we were talking about? A little bit, yeah. probably not, but yeah, a little bit. Um, 
<laughs> no. <laughs> um, and I feel, I feel, I think that that's what the show is trying to get to the point of with, with, uh, with Duck. Um, it's basically saying that because he basically goes through this thing where he is a lot of really bad shit happens to him basically he's kind of like trying to get over he's trying to he's, he has this idea of himself this image of himself right yeah and he's very proud of that image mm. um when we go to that scene with his kids and his kids are sort of you know when when he gives his kids the um the hot chocolate yeah um one of my favorite scenes because yeah it's a good scene uh what did you think of that scene i mean i think he's trying to be the good dad he's trying to be i think he's he's very typical male in that scene and that sorry sorry all males but you know (laughs) i think he's trying to pretend like everything's fine right right and i think he's trying to not not even pretend like he believes everything is fine and he gives his children who aren't really children hot chocolate yeah um yeah that's a good point and even as they they kind of spill the truth, which is that his mother's going to marry someone else. Yeah. He tries not to let them see that it's rattled him. Yeah, yeah, totally. That scene with the hot chocolate starts with um, with um, ducks are offering the kids like um, hot chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. And that kid and his son is like, um, he says he doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say why he doesn't want it. He just says he doesn't want it. And then mm-hmm. Duck tells him, oh, you need to drink it because it'll make you cool. The kid never said he doesn't want to drink it because it's hot. He just said he doesn't want it. Yeah, okay. True. I see it... I don't know. I guess my perception of that mm. is that he's... And throughout this whole scene is that he's he's trying to almost comfort his children when his children don't need comforting. Okay. I think he sees... Because giving someone hot chocolate is quite a, a comforting, comforting thing. thing to do. And then later on, even when he's like, when he talks about how he let them keep the dog because they wanted some normality and all that kind of stuff. I think everything he does in this scene is because his perception of his role is that their parents have broken, or, you know, he's split up from his wife. Their parents have broken up Mm. and it must be hard for them. But the new bloke has given them $150 each. I mean, even like the fact that he's like, oh, I've planned this like nice day. You've never seen the show from like the seats that I've got. Like the show. No. The show's a funny thing happened. And a funny thing happened is exactly the same. Well, kind of a very similar plot to um, Marriage of Figaro. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> everyone take a shot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's that whole thing of, of, I think, the whole way through, even though they're, they're almost like, I almost feel like they're trying to get him to react. Because he he's being a little shit is the is the boy. It does feel like that, yeah. And and he almost like won't because he's like, no, I'm the he's his perception is I've got to be this good father. I've well, got to be. He, he doesn't really react until, um, until the girl tells him. Oh, they both. I can't remember who is exactly tells him that, um, his ex wife is basically gonna marry this other guy. That's when he really. The first reacts. time he really reacts is um when they say about the, them him getting rid of the dog sorry that's sorry 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 no you're you're 100 percent right you're 100 right yeah so he no because they he so the kids tell him um that this guy's proposed to the wife mm-hmm. right? and he then does this thing and this is what i was talking about about the the meaning thing and the the, the ego thing where he kind of he won't 
accept it and he's just kind of like he's very sort of oh it's fine it'll be cool you know it's, it's almost like that um you know that um that friends uh, ross uh meme where yeah, he's like, yeah i'm fine sort yeah, of yeah. He's totally just kind of like almost kind of like in total denial about it and not really sort of taking it seriously and it's not until they say well you have to give up the dog and that dog to me is kind of i don't know like the dog to me is like representative of his kind of almost his fatherly role in a way or or almost the fact that he kind of still belongs to that family mm, i'd agree do you I, get that yeah yeah i think i mean i think the dog first of all it's a very attractive dog it's a very like kind of all american you know it's a red setter i know it's a red setter it's a gorgeous (laughs) dog um but it's that whole thing of the dog represents loyalty the dog represents you know you're right it's sort of like um it's a signifier i suppose exactly what it is (laughs) and the fact that she wants to get rid of the dog is is very significant for him because it's like you say is it sort of like it's almost like the con his way of bonding the family and he's sacrificed so the tr- the children could keep the dog yeah i don't did he sacrifice though or is it kind of like his way of just kind of feeling like he's married feeling like he's kind of possibly connected I think to it's, his, i don't think it's a, i wouldn't call it a sacrifice i call it more of a kind of it's almost I mean, like when you leave something around someone's house so you could go and get it like oh do you know what I mean? you're kind of like when you well, it's it's a it's his presence in that house, isn't it? That's it's like what it it's is. like the toothbrush when you're you know seeing someone and yeah. you just have a toothbrush around the house, yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like almost like you're you're together but you're not together. Do you yeah, know what I mean? it's kind of like it's an unofficial signifier for. Some I mean, we know we know this anyway because of what Pete says about the dog later. What does he say? When Pete sees the dog and thinks it's a girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is interesting in itself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then the next thing is he says, oh, you know, we might get a dog for the office. It gives a sort of more approachable, sort of friendly vibe sort of thing. The image, yeah. And then that's, and that's exactly how Duck doesn't want to be perceived um, as... I mean... It, it's a really it's it's kind of like the dog is it's symbol of home it's a symbol of so many different things i mean i just love that dog I was like, <laughs> oh my god how could you get rid of that dog <laughs> let's uh, move it on to the um to the bit where him and don are having the conversation oh i don't remember it i'm, I'm never just bored <laughs> so okay uh, there, there isn't that much in that but basically that conversation because I, I, for all the people that are listening, I kind of usually when I go through this episode, through these episodes, I spend a lot of time on them. This time I only went through half the episode because the second half was like I was running out of time and I'm doing loads of stuff at the moment. So I kind of didn't get a chance to really, really go into it that much. But what's really interesting about the, the conversation that they have is at one point, um, Duck kind of opens his heart basically to Don. And tells him basically why he's the way he is. Um, I don't know if you caught that part. Did you? The little no. story he tells about being as uh, being in the war, being a soldier, and stuff. No, I don't remember how... any of that. Like and I said, I kind of it was. I found it a bit dull. I sort of glossed over. Well, there's so there's a bit where so you, so Duck starts telling him about how he when he was uh, when he was at war um, he fell over. <laughs> he, he felt somehow he fell over 
and in order to kind of and, and his his um his officer or his sergeant um, told him to um, basically said told everyone that he, he took the fall and said it was you know took the blame for it um, he tells this story about how he um, he was at, he was at war and he fell over somehow alcohol probably but he doesn't say that um, and then his officer kind of like made an excuse for him and sort of helped him out but Dom then ba- uh, then Doc, Doc basically said he doesn't need that help and basically told everyone what happened and he said he shouldn't have been so arrogant he's basically this is what he's t- telling telling, mm. telling Dom he shouldn't have been so arrogant and then um and Don doesn't hear any of that. Don here just hears like, "Where's my part in the story? Why aren't you talking about me?" And like, you know, obviously the ego. But um, what's really interesting about this, what's really interesting about this scene is the way it ends, right? So don't worry about it. We're not going to talk about the whole scene. But the way it ends is with Duck basically saying, "Okay." And <laughs> and. Okay is a really significant term in this show because remember when we were talking about that other episode? Um, you don't remember. Which, what, which episode? It was um, G5, 5G. 5G. And remember in that episode, there's a bit where everyone's, where people say okay and it's like they're giving in to the person that's telling them what to do but really they're in control. Mm-hmm. And that's, how he ends this episode this, that's how he ends this scene is by saying okay and it actually happens another time in the episode as well with um with betty uh, when she's talking to arthur and arthur's like oh i'm really sorry that i kind of made you feel this way i'm really sorry that and, and blah, blah blah and betty says it's okay because mm. obviously she was in control the whole time and it, the only reason it happens is because of her um and so so duck does exactly the same thing and that's kind of why i was saying that like um, duck in this episode is almost like a feminine sort of subject he's kind of approaching things from what lacan terms a feminine subject which is kind of i don't know a bit more subtle maybe i don't mm. know um but yeah I, I just thought that was interesting but clearly just me well, I like to say I just find Duck terribly dull. So. <laughs> but what, you must. But even the fact, come on, everybody, the the bit with the dog, when he finally throws the dog out. I mean, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, and I, I was, mean, we should point out the fact that yeah, we. I don't know if you got it, but we get the point that the dog and Sally are kind of linked in the way that they look at. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, well, I. Yeah, and I. I feel like when he does that, when he throws the dog out, it's kind of, it's that, I, it's that again, it's that signifier. It's that, that dog like signifies loads of things. I mean, Matthew, Wein- Matthew Weiner says it signifies, dog, it signifies duck's weakness, but I think it signifies duck's, it's the one thing that's keeping duck sort of sane. It's the one thing that's stopping duck from drinking. And it signifies his whole family. It signifies everything. But that's the thing to me. The dog is is the home, and it's him cutting that tie basically because he he wants to. He his instant reaction is he wants to keep the dog. Yeah. Like he could have just let, you know, his ex wife get rid of the dog, but he doesn't. He makes a point of wanting the dog and getting the dog. 
and then Pete says all the stuff to him about how it's a really nice dog and you know what's it called Chauncey Chauncey yeah um and it's and it is a lovely dog and the whole way through everyone's showing the dog love and like blah 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 and make it makes him more approachable like even the bit from when we first see the dog where the dog runs over to him I love how that scene um he shows so much affection to that dog. Exactly. Like, oh. And then that's he goes, it. goes to the family. He's like, Bro. the dog Bro. is the, the dog is his vulnerability, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's almost like he he can't deal with it. He can't deal with it. He can't. Well, I think that's the thing. He puts all of that kind of all of that affection, all that love that he has for his family. I mean, you can see it the way he speaks to his family. He puts all that love and affection into his family. Um. Uh, into into the dog and it's there it literally that's how he feels about his family you just can't say that to his mm. family you can't say that to the actual people so you can imagine that's why his marriage failed in the first place because he couldn't speak to his family that way um but what i like about the him throwing the dog out is basically that coupled with the the okay at the end of the other scene is basically saying this is the bad guy <laughs> this is you know i don't know if you've read the book save the cat is that the one about Alien? No, it's the one... Actually, maybe it is. I don't know. But it's basically how to write. It's like a screenwriting book. Yeah, yeah. So, Well, there's a whole theory with um, Alien and the cat. And it's oh, like okay. the cat is the only thing that really makes... Um, what's her name? Ridley? Ridley, yeah. Ridley relatable. Is right, the fact that Because okay. you, you automatically feel warmth towards someone that has yeah, an animal exactly. or a child. or Because yeah, yeah, you can see that they have love in their life and they're a loving person. Yeah. And it's very much like a, a thing that, that screenwriters and, and book writers use yeah. to make characters that aren't actually that likeable or more likeable because... And, and it's, isn't it called like... there's Is there one called... It's probably the same author. Maybe they wrote another one. Isn't it called like Don't Kill the Cat or something? I thought um, it was Save the Cat. It might maybe. be Save the Cat. I'm not sure. But it's, it's something along the lines of like... Yeah, if hit by him getting rid of the dog, you automatically dislike. Yeah, if exactly, you didn't exactly. like him before, exactly. you definitely do after <laughs> now that. Now you don't like. Now he's just dull. Now he's boring, and I can't. I mean, he was him. always dull, but I mean, when he got that dog, like, if he'd kept that dog, I probably would have been like, "Oh, that's so cute," yeah. you know, okay. because he got rid of the dog. I instantly disliked him. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's it though. I think we've run out of things to talk about. I think there's more to be fair. I think there's loads more, but <laughs> there's absolutely we loads haven't more. got all day. <laughs> Honestly, there's so much we could talk about in this episode. There's a whole bunch of things. Just off the top of my head. So we talked about the imaginary and the symbolic. We talked about we haven't talked about invasion. We haven't talked about we didn't really talk about enclosed safe spaces. We didn't talk about we didn't really talk about that barbecue. Which I think we didn't really go in. There's a bit in that barbecue where they dis, where they describe the mother. And they describe their mother as sort of like um, on a widow, widow's walk. Yeah, yeah. And on a Belvedere as well as, at some point. I think, they, yeah, because the, the widow's walk is a Belvedere, right? Um, and that kind of feeds into the, the Infanta thing as well at the beginning of the episode where this whole idea of a woman kind of, you know, we put women on pedestals and stuff, but we can't, we don't allow them to move outside of those pedestals. And they talk about the mother and they obviously... The fact that the mum's not even there and she's kind of like the mother of these kids and like they're having this barbecue and she's just off on her own. Mm. And there's like all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so I think ultimately this episode is, it boils down to the way we treat women badly. Even though 
it kind of treats women badly itself in the episode. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to the podcast and they were they were livid <laughs> at what Matthew wanted did. I thought it was quite funny. I mean, I think yeah, I I think you have you are you have to be livid, but you have to remember the time the time that it was yeah. and like you know there is an element of historical accuracy that is it is important and it is sort of like there is that horrible moment where you know Peggy realizes that she's never gonna be one of the boys she's gonna have to do the best that she can yeah. with who she is yeah totally um one thing about that um scene at the end where they're in the strip club that's another nod back to you know the pilot episode right when they're in the um the strip club yeah, I don't remember I just, that. Okay, okay, that was like that was like twenty episodes ago. There's no way. There's, I mean, I can't remember what happened this morning. So <laughs> like, I vaguely, I I pretty much remember the top. When you say, "Oh, remember this," I like vaguely remember the titles. <laughs> but I I was like, 5G is that the one with the planes?" <laughs> no. And then I just, but I just don't really remember. Like, if you told me all what happened in the episode, I'd be like, "Oh yeah." Red in the face, I do remember because it's got the puking in because i have a phobia of it but 5g is the one with um five grand it's the one where the he tries to give money to his brother because his brother yeah, exactly. that's all i remember and that's only because that's related to the title right okay okay <laughs> uh, but yeah i just thought it was interesting that um but that scene is basically that so in this in the pilot i was saying that that scene so the pilot just to jog your memory the the um the strip bar scene is when um, Pete and all the people go because it's his um his stag do mm. and they go and they they're at the and and Pete starts chatting up that woman oh uh, yeah and he puts her on his on his lap yeah and she tells it fuck off yeah and ironically enough in this uh, episode um, Peggy is sitting on the lap of this businessman and he didn't tell her fuck off. Well, he pulled her onto his lap and that's well that's what I'm saying like she, um, yeah. she didn't tell her fuck off. Um, and Pete's watching that going like no she doesn't but I think that's the point for her where I think she realises though I mean because he wouldn't do that to like a male co-worker would he or a male and I think that's the thing is that's the moment where she realises she's she's rocked up she's done what Joan said she's got her like she's owning her femininity in this like kick ass dress and because she's doing that she gets treated like one of the dancers effectively well it's like the um so okay so i'll just one more time one more thing about the imaginary and the symbolic right because what peggy when when joan and peggy are having that conversation um basically joan talks joan says something about what to say that's it peggy asks her what to say what do i say and um or what do i do or something like Mm. that and that in in terms of the can like language and gestures and stuff like that that's the symbolic and then um joan tells peggy to stop dressing like a little girl Mm -hmm. and obviously that's like a very image-based thing and it's like that whole thing of putting the two of them together to cover up who you really are and to go on and almost be a man but like you say when when she gets in there and she does cover everything up she still gets dragged over and is treated like a girl in a strip bar. And that's the real of the situation. Yeah, because it's... But, like, that's what I mean by the whole... But it's perception, isn't it? It's like she's gone in 
thinking like I've got my power suit I've got my power dress on right I'm gonna go in I'm just rocking in haven't been invited yeah. they didn't invite me <laughs> but I'm just gonna go in I'm gonna be powerful and strong I'm gonna do this yeah and you know and all the guys know that they've left her out and stuff yeah. but they're all sort of she turns up and it's and instantly and it's funny because you you see you know Don's pitch and it's almost like straight after that conversation that's had with Joan. And I was think I was like, go on, Peggy. Because they're like, oh, I don't think we're going to do this. And I was like, right, Peggy's going to say something now. <laughs> Peggy's going to say, right, I've got this amazing idea and they're going to love it. And of course, that isn't what happened. No, no. But that was the point is, is, is rather than, you know, she, she, she's still not quite there. She's, I think she's got yeah. a little bit of growing to do. Yeah, totally. But totally. she's on her way. Yeah, totally. But she just needs to not take shit like that from like the Playtex businessman. Yeah, definitely. Okay, one more thing and then we'll start. I promise we'll stop. There's one more thing that I didn't, I didn't mention that's really important. All right. What, the, what is it? It's the funniest joke. Uh, well, it's the, it's the joke that everyone keeps, that pulls up, that comes up in this episode. And it's when, because um, you just reminded me when Peggy speaks up in a meeting. And it's when Peggy's in the in the original meeting where they're talking about the joke, the um. The uh, Marilyn's. And oh yeah. The, and oh the the, the which one is she? Yes. Yeah. And the, they co- they bring up with three they come up with three different names. They come up with three different things. So the first one is Gertrude Stein, right? Mm-hmm. Any idea who Gertrude Stein is? Feminist. She is. She is a feminist. <laughs> but do you know she? Because I didn't know she. I I, I you know I've heard that I can't honestly say I'm sorry women who are really good feminists I would consider myself to be a feminist I just haven't read a lot of the I haven't read a lot of the literature but I do recognise the name yeah so she's a celebrated feminist but what I think the re- what's significant about them bringing it up in this context and why I think it's really cool because they always do this where they have like jokes that then turn out to have real deep meaning is she's really famous for this quote which is a rose is a rose is a rose okay which is kind of like, you know, the signifying thing. Yeah. Of, um, and labels and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and there is no there there. That's another quote that she came up with, which is like really fascinating. Um, and then um, Sal goes on to say that she's more of a classic Hele- Hellenic. Right. And I, I didn't know what he meant by that. I, I think what he, when he says that, I think what he's trying to say is like a Helen of Troy sort of thing. I'm guessing. Right. Hellenic. I mean, I don't know. Like my name's always... I'm Helen, obviously. Yeah, obviously. But, I don't know, I was, I always think it's quite a stuffy name, you know. But still, like, but still, I think, yeah, the only, the only person I could sort of link that to in terms of, like, strong feminine, feminine, female kind of characters was Helen of Troy. Yeah. But the subtext to that, to that, um, to that quote, to me, is Hellenic is the term used for Greek words, or Greek um, the Greek alphabet, sorry. And the Greek alphabet was the first alphabet. There you go. There you go. Signifies you go. again. Master signifies again. Uh, and then uh, Don kind of equates it to Irene Dunn. I don't know who that I is. No, I, I had no idea who Irene Dunn was as well. But apparently Irene Dunn was this um, actress in Hollywood around that time. Who, or just, I think just a bit earlier. Who basically did a lot of roles and she kind of she didn't like um she did a lot of comedy roles but she could have done she she could play anything she was like she was like well known for being a really good actress but she didn't want to be a comedy actor and she 
to the point where at one point she she ran away from Hollywood just to avoid being in a comedy. <laughs> um, and she's but but the thing is she she was basically herself. She she didn't want to be categorized. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to be put in a box. And what's interesting is after after um, Don likens her to that, uh, Freddie then goes he loves Irene Dunn, mm. and I like the fact that there's this idea that. You might not be particularly popular if you follow trends, but by being yourself and like sticking to your own kind of idea of what you think is yourself and not putting yourself, not being one of these, um, one of these um, signifiers or whatever, you become a main signifier, and that's how people find you attractive. And it and it, and it goes all the way to like the idea of Joan and how um, obviously. Uh, Paul, who had an, a relationship with her, sees her as a sees sees um, Marilyn Monroe as a version of her, mm. as opposed to as her as a version of Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. It's just like you know, writing from this show is like incredible. I don't know how they do it. I really don't know how they do it. Sounds like they've had some sort of you know, pact with the devil or something to, to be able to put all this stuff down and make it. Yeah, work the I way mean, this. like. I don't know. I mean, I like it, but I wouldn't say, like, it's my favourite. Fair enough, fair enough. Sorry. (laughs) Probably shouldn't say that on a Mad Men podcast, but I'm just here for my opinion. I say every day. You do, you do. No, but I do love the show. I think it's amazing. I I like the show. (laughs) Give it a solid seven out of (laughs) ten. Sorry. Sorry, Matthew Minor. (laughs) Um, Okay, shall shall we end it then? We shall. All right. Um, don't forget, you can get in touch with us at, at underscore breakdown old on Twitter. And I can't remember what our email address is, but it's in the bio. So. It is. Uh, and um, yeah, don't forget, everyone. Mad- <laughs> what? Don't forget, everyone. Sopranos is even better. Goodbye. Bye.